It's draft day, and the Pacers made a trade. It's been quite the 12 hours in Pacerland. Richard Stamen from our Locked On NBA Big Board Show is going to join us today. We're going to talk about the Pacers trade. We're going to talk about draft day, where the key moments in the drafts could be, the pivot points, and everything that affects the Pacers. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today it is officially draft day. Was excited to preview the draft. On today's episode with Richard Stamen from our Locked On NBA Big Board show. He will be at the draft tonight. Really wanted to get his thoughts on everything, where the pivot points were, where the Pacers need to be watching for other stuff that could happen, where they could move up into the middle of the draft, all sorts of stuff. And then about 45 minutes before we were set to record, bang, the trade happens. Pacers and Nuggets agree to a deal. At the time of us talking, it was still unclear uh, about what the trade officially was, but my reporting did turn out to be correct. The Pacers trade with the Nuggets. They give up pick 29 and 32. They get back pick 40 and then a, a 2024 pick in the first round from the Thunder, but it's not the Thunder's first. It could be. It'll it'll be the worst of the Clippers, Thunder, Jazz, and Rockets first with some protection. So we break down that trade a little bit and the 2024 draft. All sorts of stuff. It wasn't a long discussion on the trade, but we get into it for about six minutes before talking draft. This intro has been too long. Let's just jump into the conversation. Draft day. Drake has a song about this. We will not be singing it today. Instead, talking about the draft in general. And the Pacers have made a trade less than an hour before this recording with some reporting coming in as we're talking. But we'll break down this Pacers trade pivot points in the first round trade spots, all the big stuff you need to know ahead of the Pacers draft tomorrow. Mavs draft is back for his second appearance in this pre-draft cycle. He's Richard Stamen. Richard, you'll be at the draft. How pumped are you to see it all in action? Hey, I'm excited to be back. I know we linked up at the Combine last month, and I think this is my second appearance in two weeks. So excited for what the Pacers can do. Obviously, I think both of us know Pacers are going to have a busy draft night. Uh, forgive me for that slam. Uh, I guess, actually, you could call that a metaphor uh, for <laughs> if you want. So it could have been staged completely. But no, I think uh, I think they will have a busy draft night. Good Lord. If I'm adding staged sound effects into podcasts, I've taken this a little too far, right? <laughs> hey, so, Locked On Maps does it. <laughs> that's right. Nick's the king of the soundboard. Uh, so before Richard and I had planned, or after Richard and I had planned this, before we started recording, Reporting coming in, Pacers are making a trade, as many expected they would, because they have too many picks this year. As the time of me talking, there's a little unclarity, but I will stick to my own reporting here. The trade is Pacers trading 29, the pick they got from the Celtics in the Brogdon trade, and 32, a second rounder they got from the Rockets in the Depot trade years ago, to the Denver Nuggets for pick 40 this year. So moving back eight spots in the second round, and then they're getting a 2024 first rounder from Denver, I believe that that pick is the worst of the Thunders first, the Jazz first, the Rockets first, um, and I'm missing a team in there, the Clippers first. So, you know, it, it, Clippers, Thunder could certainly make the postseason next year. 
Uh, so, but I don't think any of them will have a top, I don't know, pick your number six, five record. So perhaps that picks like 24 at the, you know, maybe the Clippers are amazing. I don't know, but you know, in, in the worst case scenario where that picks 30, yeah, the Pacers maybe lose a little value here, but the a 2024 pick by default has more value to them than a 2023 pick because they can't fit five rookies into their team. And ESPN is reporting that Denver's first is in this. If that's wrong, I'll of course issue a, a note on Twitter because I tweeted not the case either way though Denver having a top two record also maybe not likely they had a, the fourth best record this year despite winning the championship so Pacers taking a little bit of a gamble that this worst stuff pick next year will be better than 29 but it seems exceedingly likely that it will be even if Denver's is involved so um, they get better equity for themselves and move back a little this year I think that's a good trade for their situation even though it's not like this really sexy thing that fans always love. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I think that trade uh, is going to have a lot of – it's like the beginning of the domino, right? Because if you look at just the second round and really like 25 through 45, I think it's where it really starts where it takes one and all of a sudden you see, oh, this pick's been traded, pick's been traded, pick's been traded. And for Indiana, I don't think they can't take on that many rookies. Uh, I think that's something to be considered. And also, next year's draft like isn't that strong. They could probably just trade that again. If they wanted to, at the worst case, they could just go, all right, we'll just take a 2025 pick. Instead, and just keep hedging that a little bit and just saying, hey, we'll just keep moving it back until we find value with it. And at the minimum, also, like I'm, I'm very much a... Draft picks matter more in principle and trade than the actual like like it's one of those things right once you it's like a new car you get it you get assigned to it twenty five percent of value immediately gone and I think that's kind of the thing where it's like all right you can have the number ten pick or have the name to it like if for the Mavs for example like if Derek Lively is the number ten pick I think a lot of teams would rather have traded for the number ten pick just before it became the number ten pick right or like right. before draft night so that stuff Indiana can go a different a lot of different ways here. Yeah, and if they get a 2024 pick from someone else, they can then trade their own and not worry about the Stepien rule and still have all these fun, fancy options involved. And it's just good balancing of their assets, right? You, they can't make five picks. Like, it's not a secret at all this year. It's been, like, maybe the most hotly reported thing in the draft that 26, 29, and 32 could be moved. And it might even be easier. Like, I've heard this theory. And perhaps by the time this is out, I have to completely change this first segment if they make another trade. But... You know, trading up from 26, let's say they wanted to use assets to do that. It might be easier with a 2024 pick than 29, just because teams would do exactly what you just said, where they know the slot versus the uncertainty. So I wouldn't rule out anything from this. I think it's good balancing, like I said, and I think it's a good way for them to, you know, keep their assets in order and down the line. I actually suggested this on a show earlier this week, and not this specifically, but something like this earlier this week, and still lets them accomplish any of the stuff that they might want to do. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating trade for the Pacers that seems a little minor, but given their situation, is pretty smart business. Yeah, and I mean, also just looking at this draft, there's a lot of different value picks they could get to, and like going back in the draft, I I think I mean somewhere in between that 32nd and 55th pick that they had prior. I do think there are paths to that upgrade. Yep. So we'll see where this goes. I mean, maybe now. And the other thing for the Pacers, too, is 40 instead of 32. In theory, 40 could end up on a two-way. 32 definitely wouldn't. So for their roster spot crunch, maybe that's something. I don't know if they'll even pick at 40 or 55. But in general, I like this move for the Pacers just alone from a balancing perspective. I think that's smart. And uh, we'll see if what else it allows them to do. 
I don't have a lot of big takeaways. I mean, the players you would still scout from 26 to 40 are pretty similar to 26 to 32. So from a player perspective, I don't have a lot to say here. I guess the 2024 draft is considered to be worse than this year's, but after the top whatever 15, the odds of getting a successful pick are basically the same in every draft. So I don't know if you have any other big takeaways from this, but I just think it's good asset balancing from the Pacers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what I've been told at the combine was that they would, the Pacers would be very interested in moving some of those picks. I'd heard they were going to sell outright one of 26, 29 or 32. So getting something back is a big win. I agree. I don't have a lot else on this. And and if you're hearing this, that means nothing else happened between now and the time that this episode comes out uh, because this stuff can all happen at a crazy speed the day before the draft. But if you're listening, it's the day of the draft and all the intrigue, of course, for the Pacers will be on that seventh pick, Richard. A lot of people have a top nine, top eight that they like. There's a tier from pick your spot, four or five, six through eight or nine. The Pacers are firmly in that uh, there's been some reporting about other teams maybe wanting to move around in that tier. But yesterday I talked about the biggest Pacers draft questions with Derek Kramer. Today I want to talk to you. You cover the whole draft about the top 10 in general because for a while it felt like people were viewing you know, four as kind of a pivot point. I kind of view it as five based on some stuff I've heard. But I don't know what the Pistons are thinking. Either way, I suppose it's possible it's anywhere in the top 10, just given what we've heard leading up to this, but where do you view as kind of the biggest pivot point for where this things could change or where this could go off the rails or where teams need to be prepared to change their board inside the top 10? Yeah, I think five is really where the draft begins. I'm, I'm pretty confident the top four picks will be in some order, Victor Women, Yama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and Amon Thompson. After that, it could go any one direction. I don't think it'll be a star Thompson at five. Pretty confident it won't be Cam Whitmore anymore. Um, there's a reason draft express has cam falling and, uh, and I think it's pretty easy to see why, but I think Anthony black could be in play. It'd be really weird with all the, with all the guards though. I don't think they do that. If I had to guess Detroit does one of two things, they trade or they, they take outright Taylor Hendricks or Jairus Walker, who are both players Indiana's targeting. Hey guys, quick little break here to talk to you about bird dogs who crush it making you look good with the best shorts you could ever want. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. I have two pairs. I wore one all around New York last weekend. It was fantastic. And their shorts do the same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit better because they're made of a stiff, restricting cotton that makes you look fantastic. Uh, And... They have their own cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get that way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that makes you cool and dry all day long. I absolutely love them. My gray pair is fantastic. My light blue pair of the seven inch inseams is fantastic. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NBA. When you order from Bird Dogs, you'll get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. If you go to that link, that's birddogs.com slash lockdown NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you try them out today. Yeah, I, I think you're right with all that as well. And you know, it just, it's, it's so interesting that the, the, the thing that's going to make this top 10 fascinating to me is you could say Houston even, like teams four, five, six, seven, all want to be a lot better next year, right? So if they don't love anybody or if things start to shake a little differently than was maybe previously expected leading up to the draft, 
I wonder how that would influence how these teams think about movement or assets or trading up or out because there has been reporting about the Pacers wanting a starting caliber wing for their pick. I don't know that they will or won't do that, but that means, you know, even if there isn't like an expected order or teams like players, like you said, I think it's possible for, you know, a team that really wants to move up to make something happen. Like if Utah really loves Anthony Black, like has been reported or something, or uh, there's just a lot that could go on there. And the other backdrop is, and I've said this a few times on local radio recently, but usually I feel like in the lead up to the draft, there's so much trade chatter and there's less trades in there, which makes sense, right? That like teams are doing their due diligence. Um, but so I always expect fewer trades than I hear about, but this year, because there's a brand new CBA that is implemented nine days after the draft actually starts, I'm not sure how much this will impact the top 10 necessarily, but I do feel like there could be a little more movement than normal because of that as teams try to get their asset base straightened out, try to get their picks in order, all that sort of stuff. So I don't know if, if you feel like that'll be the case, but I, I this is the first year that since I've actually understood how the reporting versus actual stuff trade game works, that I feel like there could be at least a couple more trades inside the top 10 than a normal season. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of trades past. I think the top 20 is where things will get started. It seems to be every year. Top 10 really goes hit or miss. I do think Dallas is going to be trading their pick. Um, obviously, this isn't uh, super relevant to the Pacers, but in a way it kind of is because if you know, say, you know, Dallas is trading their pick, right? There's somebody that somebody may want. If it's Anthony Black and you say, hey, the Pacers, they don't need Anthony Black to necessarily because you already have Nemhard, you already have Halliburton. You can kind of make an argument that, eh, I mean, yeah, they don't need really a third guard like that. And even though right. Anthony Black's not like necessarily a point guard, that's not necessary. So say Anthony Black's there at 10. You could probably, in a way, <laughs> I don't know how realistic it is to trade with Dallas or something, but like that kind of stuff matters of who's slipping will really impact where yeah. and what the Pacers do because they may say, all right, we like this guy somewhere. And at seven, it's not going to be the same guy they like at 15, but they really may like somebody and say, all right, because this guy's sliding now, we can trade back in. I think the top 10, though, in general, it just won't have that many trades. I've heard, I, I was talking to somebody last night. They were saying, look, we, we all saw a bunch of trades coming, but now that there's so much on the table, it probably actually means nothing's going to happen. That's usually how it is, right? And like the CBA part, I think, will affect, the to, to kind of step on my own toes of the thing I just said, <laughs> I think the CBA thing will affect more of the, expensive teams which typically are good teams which typically pick later in the draft right just to connect all those dots together but yeah i'll be fascinated to see how all these moving parts work in tandem and what that means for the pacers draft right because i've long theorized it could be their spot at seven is interesting just because i don't think they can get into the top four uh, i guess that any team could do anything but i don't think they they would get into the top four and then five through whatever is kind of one tier. So I have always surmised that because of the way this draft is shaken out, because of the way it looks like all these teams' goals are colliding, the more likely thing they do is trade back within the top 10, 11, 12, 9, whatever. I'm making up numbers, but you get what I'm saying, versus anything else just because of the structure of this draft more so than anything. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's my sense. Yeah. I mean, I think Oklahoma City is a prime candidate too. I mean, they have uh... – I don't know the exact number, but they have so many picks. Like they have so many. You don't know the exact picks. number of OKC picks. Does OKC know the exact number of OKC's picks? No. Like <laughs> between them, New Orleans, and Utah, they might have half the picks, the first round picks ever to go out in the next 10 years. Like <laughs> that's what it feels like, at least. But that's right. you know, it's 
I, I do think if Oklahoma City, like they say, all right, we're not going to be in contention for a lottery pick unless like things go horribly south with injuries or whatever next year. And even if they are, do they want to? Like, again, the draft is perceived as pretty weak. I think it could be something where they say, all right, we'll give two first round picks of next year. We'll give 12 up. They might do it. Three, maybe. Like, you can throw in however many you feel comfortable. I don't think three for five spots is necessarily even, but. I feel like you can do two and two of those, the two most valuable 2024 picks and boom. Yeah. It, you know, there's a lot of permutations, right? And the other backdrop of this, that confuses me somewhat, not confuses. I'm not confused about anything. The Pacers can do a million things. That would make sense to me. The other part of this too, is they want to be good this coming season, right? I said that when talking about all these teams, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, don't, I think the Wizards are like the only team that wants to go downward in the whole NBA right now, maybe. <laughs> like every other team is trying to get better next year, Utah TBD. So how the Pacers manage their own expectations could be fascinating with these picks as well. Like do they value a good veteran over an extra pick or something like that? So uh, that's just stuff for them to figure out, but I think that will be a big storyline of this draft for them and every team is how those pieces all get moved around, how the money is involved. The Pacers, uniquely, unlike some of these other teams that want to be good, have cap space to take in contracts, to take in players, to make uneven trades. Obviously, the Rockets do too, the Spurs do. Some teams also do, but the Pacers are chief among them, and they have the best talent on their team of those groups in Tyrese Albert. And so I'll be fascinated to see how that sort of impacts what they can do, all sorts of stuff like that. So looking forward to all that. Um, outside of the top 10, people have intrigue in the Pacers because they can't make five picks. They only have four now after this Denver trade, but even four is probably too many to me. Like two or three rookies seems like the most they could carry. And if it's three, one of them is probably a two-way player. What teams do you see as candidates for maybe pick 12 through 22 that could be trade back candidates for the Pacers using 26 and something else to get into the middle of this first round. Yeah. And probably a team that would want to buy, right? Like buy up. Cause I think, yeah, I think Utah could do it, but again, it's kind of the same situation as Indiana. I don't know if that makes them a match. Miami could golden States a very real candidate. And I think Houston too. Um, actually one more is probably Brooklyn where you got, I mean, they have Dorian Finney Smith. They have Royce O'Neal in theory, they could move Nick Claxton if they were desperate, but I don't think they're that desperate to get off of him yet, like pending free agency and stuff next year. But I do think they're a candidate. Also, I mean, just as we've been recording, this news just dropped that, I mean, the Clippers and the Wizards and the Celtics are interested in a trade, a three-team trade with Porzingis, Marcus Smart, uh, Boston, like uh, Marcus Moore. So that what? could have a lot of impact, too, of who's moving up. Like, So it's, yeah, I'll, I'll read the tweet since I got it. Shams tweeted, sources, Wizards, Celtics, and Clippers are in strong talks, which usually means it's going to happen, on a trade that would send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston, Marcus Morris, and draft compensation to Washington, and randomly Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. So I do think things like that, like the Wizards could be a team that, hey, they really like somebody at seven. I know that they weren't in that range, but they're one spot behind. They now have some ammo to potentially do that uh, to get back up one spot. If they if it's a difference of like, if they're all in on one guy, Cam Whitmore versus like, if they love Asar Thompson, right? They might do it like if he, they think he's there. So that, that's something to consider too. Yeah, it's certainly tricky with, the talent, the way it's shaken out, and the the trouble is, is with recording this. We're doing this, you know, a couple hours before midnight. Like there, there could be shakeup even before then. And then it's like, well, maybe some other team is going to do this, or who knows? 
what actually could happen, such as life with the draft, right? Once every team's done with their workouts and set their board is when this action gets going. As you can see, uh, which is pretty crazy. And the Pacers having two 2024 firsts now. Uh, and by the way, uh, I believe I am correct on the reporting. Now that we're 10 minutes in and I've gotten more details here. So yes, nailed that one. Um, I'll be fascinated to see what they can kind of do to move around. Like in my head, people have, I think just got reported once the Lakers at 17 is an interesting one. Like they're young. They have some young talent, but not a lot. Like would they just want more bites of the apple? Potentially they have been a great drafting team for a while. You were about to say something. Yeah. I was just going to say, I know Max Christie's not going to go anywhere. I think they're more likely to trade back though than trade up. I feel like just in general, my philosophy though is also if you don't have many assets going forward and you, the nights you can keep those picks like this year, the odd years, uh, or excuse me, it's uh, yeah, it's 2023. Um, the odd years, you know, for the Lakers, for example, they should be trading back to to make up for those trades they've lost yep. out on. So I actually think they should move back. I don't think they're going to move up. But sorry to interrupt that. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No, 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 you're good. But that that is the kind of team that the Pacers should be talking to, to me, right? Like anyone that is interested in more lesser things because of the way that they've operated for a long time. I would say Brooklyn is in this, but they already have a lot of picks too. So maybe they're not as, as interesting for this. And perhaps the Pacers could put player assets on the table if they want to move up even higher to get into like 15 late lotto range. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating to see what teams are going to want more bites of the apple. And this is where the new CBA really gets into the meat of this because I'm fascinated to see like Denver, the reason part of the reason they did this stuff with the Pacers is they need rookie contracts now, right? They're going to be running into these aprons. They need the cheap talent now. Even if the player isn't playing for them, it just gives them a chance to fill their team out with young developing talent like Peyton Watson's probably going to be in their rotation next year because they need guys like that to step up. So that's why they would do something like this. Perhaps there's other teams interested in that that could help the Pacers move around or meander. And that's what makes the draft so fascinating is how do the Pacers attack that or approach that? Do they, if they want to move up, there'll be options. If they want to move out, there'll be options. If they want to move back, there'll be options. I don't know, but because of the new CBA and because there's some teams that have different goals, you know, we talked about the Lakers, but there's going to be ways for them to move their asset pool around. Yeah, and I think they they look if they're like most NBA teams, there's probably multiple guys in the I don't know, I mean seven to sixteen range that they really like. If you went through just an average mock and found like all the names in that range, they probably like multiple of them too. And that's that's the beauty of what the Pacers have done, making all these trades throughout the years that have now come into fruition, where you give yourself flexibility every single night. You don't like the options at seven, you can move yeah. back. You like the options at six and five, you can move up. You don't like the options at 26, 29, 32, you can change that in any order you want, really, from 20 to 40. Uh, there are a lot of options. I'm, I'm curious because I know the Pacers had some high-level people uh, watching Case and Wallace uh, 
go off, I would say, at his pro day at the very end where he just made, I want to say he made like 20 of 20, uh, or it was more than 20 of 25. It was probably a 21, 22 of 25. Um, it was incredible. And I know they had a lot of high-ranking personnel there at Excel's pro day. Like, I'm curious if they were to trade back for Case and Wallace. I know what I said, they don't necessarily need a guard. But if you could move, like, I think they would rather have that than all these picks that, you know, I, I forget now, just with the trade, it's thrown me off. But, I mean, in theory, those <laughs> trades in the 20s through 40s, right? And 55. They have 26 and 40, so they have two picks in that range. They have an extra 2024 verse now, which is something yeah. I have to bake into these trades. They have 55. Some young stuff. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And they have cap space. Like they could take in bad salary if it helps them move around too. Like there's just so much they can do. And it all started with this Denver trade. So yeah, Casey Wallace is really great. <laughs> I have him ranked in the lottery myself. I think most people do. Um, so I'll be curious where that ends up shaking out or what they end up liking and not liking in this draft. All the intrigues about seven, Richard. What would you do at seven for the Pacers? Assuming the top six goes reasonably as most expect. Yeah, let's just I'll, I'll run through my top seven mock if you sure. if you'd be interested. So yeah. I'll say it'll be Victor. I know it's a bold take at number what? One. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm trying to be a hot take artist here. Uh, I'd say Scoot ends wait, up wait, being wait, the hang pick. On, hang on. Before you get to Scoot too, because I have Scoot too. Also, did you see Wemby holding the baseball? Yeah. Yeah, oh, his home ball would be insane. His splitter, I was with oh my, my family. God. My family doesn't care about basketball. I was like, look <laughs> at this. Look at this. This is crazy. It, it, it's nuts. <laughs> if you haven't seen the picture of Wemby throughout the first pitch of the Yankees game, and he's holding the baseball, and it makes the baseball look like I, – I, Dude, a, it's – it's like, grape, when Bobon, like it's, tiny. Yeah. it's like when Bobon shook that reporter's hand and it looked <laughs> yeah. like the BK mini hands. Like That's what it looked like to me. But, it was crazy. All right, so continue. I would say Victor, Scoot, Brandon Miller, that's the top three. Amon Thompson, four. I think the Pistons end up taking Taylor Hendricks. I think at six, the Magic wow. take Anthony Black. So, ah, God, that is tough. God, this <laughs> is really hard. I am going to give them Jairus Walker. I think you look at a team that the Pacers clearly are trying to win. Like that's not a, not a shock. They, they progressed their rebuild very quickly uh, or retooling. I should say they didn't rebuild, but I think that's gone so smoothly. The Jairus Walker is a guy who in his first, I mean, really just his whole rookie contract. He's, he's going to be one of the few positive rookie players. He's going to immediately help the Pacers get to a higher level. Like he is a ceiling raiser. He's not the same player like one-to-one, -one, but just like you, you watch the impact of other players across the league. Like Draymond Green is one of the, he's the textbook ceiling raiser. I think, I think when you think of ceiling racers, it's him. Would he have the same impact on a bad team? Probably not, but you put a good team trying to go to title team. Yeah. He's your guy. And I think Jairus Walker could have that role where he's so good as a connecting piece on both ends and he's such a high-level defender that he ends up being somebody who, because he makes everyone around him so much better, I think he has to be the pick. And look, you put him with Rick Carlisle, who knows how to maximize his players and minimize their weaknesses. That's a lot of upside. I love Jairus. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I'm a big fan of a lot of guys this year, even though I'm like, that's not exactly true. Either way, I have Jairus seventh myself. But in the situation you just described, <laughs> I have a SAR sixth. So I would have to really think about that. But I also think the Pacers would have to think about what they want next year. If, if that scenario you just described is the case, because that's a lot of what you just said of really great fit connecting ceiling razor versus, oh, my God, this guy's upside's amazing kind of pick, which is telling for what a team's direction is. I know we're I know we're short on time, but could I just pick your brain and kind of present my take on something with the SAR. 
I'm, I'm curious That's why you think great. he would go sixth beyond the workout being canceled. Like, like I'm curious. I have him sixth. I oh, don't. Have him sixth. How come? I have him sixth on my board. I, that's not a mock situation. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was going to no. say, I, I personally, I'm not a fan of his game. So um, I think him canceling his workouts is a smokescreen. I think it's him saving face. That's just. I, uh, I have high level creators abound <laughs> in the top six. That's pretty much my biggest skill. And I think he can be a creator who can shoot a little bit. I think that's valuable. I understand the the risk of the OTE guys, and I don't want to litigate that too much. That would be a great conversation if the Pacers do pick <laughs> one of the two. But, yeah, I, I think in the situation you said, Walker would make a ton of sense for them. I've thought he makes a ton of sense for them this whole time. Like, I've put him on a lot of the graphics I've made just because I think he's a great pick. I picked him in the Lockdown Mock Draft. Like, I just think he's a wonderful fit. So if it shakes out that way, that would be that would be wonderful for them. Any other pinch points or players in this draft that you're monitoring that you think could have a, an impact on the rest of the draft or that the Pacers need to keep an eye on? Uh, I think Bilal Koulibaly's stock is going to be a domino. Like if he goes it's flying, 90, man. it's flying. Yeah, yeah. If he goes nine to Utah, it changes a lot. Um, I think Derek, where Derek Lively goes, that changes a lot because I think he's somebody. If he doesn't get picked by Dallas, he's probably going in the middle teens, late teens. Um, Nick Smith and Keontae George, I think both their ranges are so wide that they could either push somebody back towards the Pacers being, uh, you said 26 is still there, right? It's yeah. still throwing me off. I'm so sorry. For now. For now. <laughs> As of the time so, we're speaking. <laughs> yeah. So that 16 pick range, like after, you know, Derek Lively, for example, or 17 after Bilal, there's a lot that could change. And Nick Smith could either help someone be in that range. Olivia Maxson's Prosper could help. Keontae George, like just looking at where we were a week ago, a lot has changed. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys. Brandon Pozemski would be really cool. I think if I had to pick a guy at 26, I, I don't think he gets past Memphis, though. So that's where it's tough. You would have to jump them. But if, you know, if he's not there, Max Lewis could be a good upside play. Uh, dude's got to work a lot on, on Tuesday defense, or so. Monday. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of fascinating good players late in this draft, too. You know, we both like Gigi Jackson, as you know. We've talked about him in person before. Uh, if he's there in the 20s, late teens, whatever, I'd be looking at him. I love Noah Clowney as well, but that's unrelated to anything that could truly shift the board. So we'll see. Tonight's going to be fascinating. Uh, big picture, there's a lot of chances for movement for lots of teams because of this new CBA, because of the tiering of this draft. It's pretty unique, and there's a lot of talent. I think we're going to see some stuff going on. And I'll be fascinated to see what the Pacers, who I still think have at least one more move in them just because of the number of picks they have, actually do. Richard, on behalf of our Locked On Network, will be there at the draft. So where can people follow you to, in your coverage of what's going on in the room? And your job, actually, is to live stream <laughs> Jalen hood Shafino right to my brain so I can see what my IU guy is doing in there. But really, where can people follow you and what you're going to be covering tomorrow? Well, it's funny. The NBA email that they sent me said you have to live stream that. So that is funny. So uh, <laughs> yes. it, it's crazy. Yeah. All on the same page. <laughs> no, my Twitter's at Draft. Everything I do will be going through there as well as Instagram, NBA Draft Fit. Uh, I'll be posting some stuff, just some cool content I think that you don't see on TV. Whatever I find, I'll be posting there. It's just a little, uh, if you're more wanting that fan side of it. But if you're wanting like the analysis, Twitter's the place. What was that? If you want analysis, Twitter's the place? I know, the, the first person? time that's been said. <laughs> I think you're the first person who ever said that. Also, I have to plug this. If you're listening right now, Locked on NBA Big Board uh, to get you really prepped for the draft. They've been covering this stuff year-round and have been crushing it leading up to the draft to listen for me every single day you should make it a listen yourself richard thanks so much for the time man everybody thanks a ton for listening we're breaking everything down as it happens i'll be in the st vincent center 
where the Pacers are making their picks tomorrow. So we'll try to have as much instant content up as I can. But obviously, the analysis stuff, we'll have to wait till later in the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon.